Hello and welcome to Cast Pods Here Witcher. I'm your co-host Dom. I'm your co-host Aaron. And I'm your co-host Max. And today we're discussing season one, episode eight of the of that series, much more. So yeah, episode episode eight. Yes. Finale. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, yeah, this this episode is actually about you were saying about fifty percent just fighting scenes. So actual in-depth discussion is probably going to be a bit thinner on the ground despite the fact it's one of the longest episodes yeah uh, but there's a lot of pathos yeah it's like 50 percent fighting 25 percent staring brutally and then 25 percent content yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is just basically the, the world in general these days you know? <laughs> So yeah, we we start with um, the opening scene is uh, I think Sintra just corpses everywhere and Geralt kneels and looks sad and sees a book and picks up his sword. I think it it's is, Calanthe's yeah, it's room in Calanthe's in. room yeah. and um, yeah, there's a, just a lot of it's just quite eerie. It's all sort of almost black and white with the amount of sort of uh, dim lighting and um. I, I don't know why, but that bit where he looked over and saw, like, her gown hanging untouched by the, the bed just, that, I don't know, that kind of hit me with a bit of, like, oh, oh, Calanthe. Yeah, you probably... Yes. <laughs> Literally. Um, yeah, and he finds the knuckle bones mm-hmm. and looks all sad and pensive. It's, it's just a, it's a nice wee cold open with a lot of pathos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We use that yes. word a lot today. <laughs> and there's a book. It's pathetic fallacy. Was was I right in thinking that that was the book? The book that Geralt picks up and like flicks through. Was was it was I right in thinking that, that was the book that like in the first episode, Marisak is reading while they're waiting in Sintra for Calanthe to return. Oh. Oh, so it's a mouse sack oh, thing. No. Oh no. Oh mouse-sack. yeah, that probably. Yeah, is. like the one that like Siri takes out of his hands and like slabs together and puts oh, aside. Oh no. Oh. oh, pathos is the word oh, of the babe. day. Oh, <laughs> oh, we could just go with big moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even the Greeks under- understood the concept of big mood. Without a fallacy, the biggest mood. Today's episode might consist of just sentences like that, guys. They just. Here, morally prepared. This is going to be an artifact. This should go in a time capsule after the quarantine is over. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Geralt slinks away from this this very sad scene, looking furtive and pensive, and finds a man collecting corpses and thinks he's a grave robber and tells him to feck off and to run away because there's some ghouls or ghoulies or monsters lurking about and there's a nice wee exchange where uh, the man Yurga, as we learn his name subsequently, says, if I was a robber I'd be taking their belongings and Geralt says, if I was a butcher you'd be among the corpses. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting that we're calling back sort of unintentionally because the guy clearly doesn't know who Geralt is to him being called Butcher from episode one to yeah, episode yeah. eight. Like, yeah, because I, I was I keep mm. wondering about this. Like, the guy the guy doesn't know who Geralt is, right? Like, I don't, I don't think it's actually like 
I referenced mm-hmm. the nickname Butcher of Flavicon. Like. Yeah. No, because, uh, yeah, later on he, yeah. did, he just refers to him as a yeah. butcher. Uh, yeah, so, so I don't think he knows who he is. It's just kind of cool that we get the... Unfortunate mm-hmm. coincidence. Yeah. Well, he's clearing up corpses and sees someone armed on a horse. It's probably not too far of a stretch yeah. to yeah. Um, make assumptions. Um, I just think it's interesting because these are two what? of the, like, the low points of Geralt's life. Is thinking like, oh, like I've completely failed Siri. There's no way I'm going to find her now. And also, you know, what happened to Blaviken. These are the, kind of the two low points of his life. Thus, <laughs> Thus far. far. <laughs> oh god, that is... That is the mood of this series, <laughs> of like the whole book series. Yeah, like the worst day of your life. Yes. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, we needed a Simpsons reference. <laughs> oh yes, we are millennials. So yeah, it's it, Jurgis, one of the good men in the books. He's a nice yes. man, um, and he's he's trying to clear up the corpses basically just because they deserve a little dignity in death, and he doesn't like leaving them strewn around. For oh carrying. gosh, there was a really great line here where he says, "Where Geralt's going to leave," and he's warning him that he should leave because their schools. He's like, "No, these people deserve better," and Geralt says, "I'm not better." Yeah, we're in yeah. full like sad boy Geralt yeah. mode. Poor Geralt. Yeah. So yeah, Geralt says, "I'm not better." Wanders off, and immediately. We get the cool emergence scene of all the monsters or neckers coming out trying to grab him, and Geralt appears, yeah, chops it's him that down with black eyes. Didn't like the the episode, but like in the rest of the lore, we know that it's neckers in this. Like, I don't think it even says in the books. Actually, a question. Yeah, I, like I'm not actually sure if it does say that. It's implied. Books. Like, I, I I think that like it is somehow confirmed, but I don't think it's like explicitly stated. I, I think, um, yeah, because it could theoretically be algal. does actually say necrophages. And in the games, it does imply that. Because I think um, in the games, Neckers, I think it describes Necker warriors as being poisonous. Which obviously it's not canon, but it's like adjacent to it. So if he'd got bitten yeah. by a Necker warrior, then that would be what Yeah, because of on. course he, you know, he goes to leave and he basically is trying to say, I'm not going to help and you've got to go. But even when he's in sad boy mood and has just been called a butcher he's immediately goes to help because that's what he does he gets yeah. always gets involved yet again <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and he's he's yeah but gets overwhelmed and beats one of them to death with their own arm it's a pretty great scene visually cool little scrap scene <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of sums up a lot of the combat where it's just claustrophobic and mm-hmm. dark and messy mm-hmm. and brutal very cool. cool um but then he gets sadly bitten in the knee <laughs> references. Sorry, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This is the I lowest to common like denominator. You, I took a necker to the knee. <laughs> I know, sorry, lockdown in Syria, I don't have my usual well, filter. <laughs> the... the... The, the the thing about that as well, the the irony about that as well, of course, is that the actual phrase itself, if, if I cor- remember correctly, in the original language in which it's spoken, to take an arrow to the knee means to like get proposed, to get married. Oh. Um, so. Um, oh no. Yeah, Geralt and Yen aren't to get. Well, they're kind of on off at this point. Yeah. But it's still haunting. Yeah, him, that's so. true. Hmm. His failure to settle down and deal with his family is, in fact, the big problem here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so he falls down, saying, "Yeah, 
not a not a happy ever after all roach and then you think he he's in a bit of trouble and collapses yeah um so that's quite interesting the not a happy ever after um line like we were talking about this like i don't know if we actually i can't remember if we mentioned it in our discussion of episode five um but um like one quite popular theory is that Geralt's last wish with the genie in the books is that he wished that he and Yennefer could live happily ever after and here that would seem to maybe sort of like hint that that might be possible by him going not exactly a happily ever after after all is a troll. Yeah I would agree with you there I think that's definitely you know even if the show seems to not have been hinting that that was the wish exactly in the show then this is at least a reference to that being a very popular fan theory slash in my opinion the only one that really works for the books and i mean even if it is just like an accident it's actually a cool accident in that context <laughs> like yeah <laughs> I, i'm googling that and like it, it doesn't <laughs> actually say in the short story what the hell it is that like killed everyone um like frankly it doesn't even say that it was necrophages it just says that like whatever was responsible for the other bodies will probably come back and then it does and yet and then Geralt nearly dies. Well, this is very different because in the books he's he's at some like mountain pass that everyone knows to avoid and only da- you know merchants who are risking danger to get home faster go through. Whereas here this yeah. is clearly the refugee And he describes like a cliff yeah, face or something. Here this is the refugee camp that Siri was in before it got sacked by Nilfgaard. So um yeah we go from one pile of dirt to Siri waking up in a pile of dirt again, <laughs> and uh, her poor clop or clip has has um, copped it rather violently. Yeah, and she's surrounded by corpses. Yeah, and the the farmer comes over and reassures her. They got what they deserved, and you're safe now. And it's a nice we reunion. Yeah, the, this farm lady is like virtuous beyond like any kind of imagining. Like this girl just stole her horse and then you know killed it and her response is like oh well whatever's going on that's your business the boys got what they deserved come with me yeah like i actually love how nonchalant she is about the death she like she literally there's a rage in her face she just goes well got what they deserve oh, there is. i love it it's great like her actress is incredible just the way yeah like she just like she does so much non-verbal acting there with yeah, yeah. her face just goes completely stony like she's seen some shit <laughs> so um yeah the, after they've had this wee reunion and Suri cuts away with her to the farmstead you know the camera pans out and you can kind of see the unleashed power of um having created a big old crater in the grass and absolutely owned all of the uh, yeah they're like impaled on trees and yeah. stuff it is pretty gnarly yeah, it's like a lesson's been going to town on yeah so then suddenly that's the cold the cold open is over finally after about seven minutes yes and we get to see the thing with all the show logos from every episode sort of forming into the actual series logo is kind of cool cool. the degree to which the show doesn't actually have an intro is sort of neat it's like they're like okay we don't have time to to waste on like a two minute long game of thrones (laughs) intro we need like every second (laughs) to count here our intros are going to be like 10 seconds That's good. I like it. Yeah. The, cold, the cold opens are about like 10 minutes yeah. each episode, but the actual <laughs> intro is just like, boom, you watch the witcher. <laughs> so, moving swiftly on. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. I respect. <laughs> um, 
So now suddenly we're we're on a boat with all the magicians and Vilgefortz is briefing them on what they're doing and what Nilfgaard are seeking. It's, it's interesting here because like, you know, they start, Yen starts sort of describing the colonialism of Nilfgaard and how they work about, you know, they destroy everything and then they offer a little bit of something. Yennefer is being like really like negative in a kind of generalized way. Like, she, like Vilgefortz de- describes to them like a pretty like logical mm. strategy to, you know, Hold Sodden Hill, like, which is, you know, like, the choke point between the North and Sintra, like, where, you know, they can stop the Nilfgaardian army, and Yen is just making, like, Yen just makes this weird comment that I kind of, like, love that nobody really directly replies to, because she doesn't really say anything with it, where she just goes, like, that's a military strategy, we're mages, damn powerful ones. When I hear that, I was just like, yes, and your point is? (laughs) (laughs) It's actually, it's actually great that Triss immediately yeah. shifts to, like, asking her about, like, you know, like, you've seen, like, how, why 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 would Nilfgaard, like, what is it that Nilfgaard wanted and so on? Because, like, it, it felt a little bit like she just dropped a line without really thinking about what it implies. Yeah, my favourite bit of this scene, actually, was when, right after, you know, as you say, Triss is asking her, you know, well, you've seen it up close, like, what, you know, what do they want? And Yen starts sort of describing what Nilfgaard does and yeah, what you were saying about finding people who have nothing and offering them something, even if it's just, you know, shitty ale. Istrid was telling me. And then Sabrina looks over at her and says, oh, you saw Iz? So Sabrina's got a little pet name for Istrid? Well, that's interesting, actually. <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't really hmm, think about Sabrina. that, but that's actually kind of interesting. <laughs> of course, Tisea is like completely on top of her, her game. When uh, Yen's commenting about the shitty ale and snaps back at her that sometimes it's not just shitty ale, sometimes it's a bed in a pig pen. You have to make a choice to fight yeah. back. It's like, ooh, Tissaia. I think I use a different spelling for Tissaia every single time I mention her in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still don't That's... know how to spell it. Yeah. Um, Google Docs seems to know how to spell it for some reason. I just Google Docs spell check is like super nerdy. So if you write out like show notes in Word, it gets mad at all of the fantasy names. Google Docs, without yeah. me having to tell it, knows the words Vilgefortz, Nilfgaard, Tissaia. Like, who made your spell check? <laughs> yeah, fair <point> <laughs> um, yeah, it's just quite a little brief scene on the boat with all the mages and all that, having a bit mm-hmm. of a natter. And then we get to Yen and Vilgefortz strip away from them and have a chat. I think um, in my notes I got distracted because I just make a comment on Yen's outfit. Yeah, um, this is a it controversial is a, outfit. outfit. <laughs> yeah. Well, they like their boob windows in this episode. Yeah, some of the, the yeah some of the workmanship on the on the the kind of cording is attached to the dress got distracting for me. Just as like the like <laughs> you know like that could have been a lot more even and that could have hung a lot better. And Fragile's outfit is kind of weird and sort of futuristic and like it's yeah it's like, like weirdly a... sci-fi like it's very sci-fi. Yeah, I thought, that's what I thought. Kind of <laughs> looks like uh, the Batmobile but vertical. <laughs> We're back on the back with the other magicians. I've stopped calling them the sorcerers. I just call them magicians now because it's funny. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's ever possible to move past the windows in a show that where Sabrina exists. But yes, yeah, we move into the boob windows have moved. Um, um, so there's discussion between Yen and Vilgefortz. So we'll, we'll focus on that for a second. Yeah, um, yeah, of course. So Yen um, and Vilgefortz are are talking, and she seems to know that something doesn't seem right with Nilfgaard's behavior because Vilgefortz is just you know giving her the usual 
line about military strategy and Nilfgaard wanting to come to Sodden and take over the continent. And Yen says to him, if their plan was to take over the continent, why did they give themselves away by attacking Sintra first? What do they, what do they want? And Vilgefortz, who clearly knows, is trying to fob her off with flattery. Yen kind of makes some jokes about herself being an inconvenient arsehole, but um, he won't, he won't answer her question. And then when he asks her why she came, she won't answer his questions. So they're kind of both dodging the difficult questions with each other. But I think what's really interesting is that when it switches to the next scene, she hasn't let go of the question and kind of says to him that he didn't answer her. And then he just replies with the bigger picture is left for history, which makes our task clear, hold Sodden and save the continent. So he's like still trying to dodge her question. She's not letting go of this idea of something is up with why they went straight for Sintra. So mm-hmm. I think that's sort of interesting that kind of kind of snuck in there that Jan's piecing things together, but doesn't really have time. Yeah, and Vilgefortz basically distracts her with like insulting her intelligence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a bit of a common theme to be fair with how some people mm-hmm. treat Yeah. And and I mean it's like it's like a very important point like the to highlight from a pl- from a plot perspective just in general because it once again reminds us that like they came to Sintra not just because they're on their way to attack the north but it's also because they needed to get mm-hmm. Cyril. Yeah, so we get sort of a lovely pen of 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 the valley and and the castle um the or the ruined castle they're supposed to be defending um I thought that was just like a really nice shot um. Looks like Kermoran in Witcher 3. Oh, yeah, kind of. I've seen screenshots of it. Got, well, Bruin Castle vibes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's fairly generic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, the castle, as they kind of kind of come into it, is full of um, civilian refugees. And they're talking about having seen sort of Nilfgaard's tactics up close. Sort of like scorched earth, all the livestock slaughtered. Um, you know, with this line, there's nothing like a higher purpose to convince men to do the unthinkable. And when Yen tries to tell them that, you know, well, why are there so many women and children here? Like, take them away. Like, get them to hide. Like, we, they're not, they don't need to be making a last stand. And they're just like, well, like, where else are we supposed to go? They've burned like, everything. Like, what else yeah. are we going to do? So it kind of sets the stakes for how dire this is. I mean, admittedly, like, they, they could yeah. just go across the massive bridge to, to the rest of the Northern Kingdoms. I'm not going to lie. But! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, there's not a great track record for how the Northern Kingdoms treat refugees. They're okay as long yeah. as they're humans, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh... Like, like um, in the in the, in the books, like it's like pretty much established that the one the, the one good social policy of the Northern Kingdoms is that they are actually quite nice to Central refugees, because they're because they're basically pe- preparing them into like an invasion force for the next war with Nilfgaard. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they come pre-radicalized, so... Yeah. <laughs> so it cuts to them sort of preparing weapons, um, particularly these little explosive vials. But that's like, we just get a whole scene of that. No dialogue. Yeah, it's a bit Helm's DP. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you um, you get the sort of juxtaposition of all these elegantly dressed, beautiful sorceresses against a bunch of peasants um, making, you know, fletches and arrows and all that kind of yeah. thing. So, yeah. Yeah. The two worlds. There's this one scene, one part of the scene where Yen and a, a woman who's making arrows are talking, and Yen says, "Oh, you know, is this is this it? Is this all the arrows you have?" And the woman says, "I haven't been able to get fletching because the roads are blockaded and there's no supplies." And Yennefer asks the woman, like, you know, what she's doing here, basically. And the woman says she has to stay in flight and that she's lost everything. Um, you know, she lost her husband, and so she, you know, raised her suckling pigs. She's a pig farmer by herself. Um, and then Nilfgaard came and killed them all, and so Yennefer 
or you know makes her some more magically produces some more arrows and or not arrows um fletching for the arrows and when the woman says i wish i could do that again repeats her line it's magic it's not real she's yeah, like oh yeah and, oh you're in a bad place didn't react well to them being a pig farmer though so progress <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, basically <of> <laughs> ignore that fact yes <laughs> although like, maybe it's also you know something to be said like yeah. for that maybe like you know she's like she's motivated to like oh they, they, they go ahead and like you know make some fake illusory arrows because she relates to the woman because she's mm-hmm. a big farmer but yeah, yeah. like um that could be then there then there's an entire scene where they're basically like drinking the night before yes they eat drink and be merry for tomorrow we die scene <laughs> yeah one more day <laughs> Which, of course, opens with Triss saying to Yen, is Vilgefortz to be our new daddy? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, no, thank you, Triss. Uh, oh. Triss is cancelled. <laughs> well, to say I've shagged him, so, I mean, <laughs> for past yeah. anyone. <laughs> I mean, he is a handsome fellow. He sure is. They don't, they don't know. They don't know what he no, is. No, it's, it's not for first thing. It's just the, the form the first took the cheese capsule. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, he's canoodling with their mom, so... <laughs> <laughs> That's true. There is big uh, big mom issues here. Uh, Taseya yeah. has, so, uh... like, big mom energy this whole episode, though. <laughs> like, all of the yeah. all of the sorceresses have all sorts of parental issues, let's be real here. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, start um... to finish. <laughs> so what we also get here is um, Triss revealing to Yen that she met Geralt and as you know it's all just some sort of trivial thing oh i met some witcher helped me out with my streaker problem yeah actually surprisingly (laughs) like convincingly denies that she has anything to do with him by just except the look on her face is priceless though (laughs) like she's just got this like glare and stares off into the middle (laughs) distance when you know Triss is like oh i wonder where he ended up and like yeah just stares off into the middle distance somewhere unpleasant i'm sure his kind they're so often disappointing And goes like, I'd advise you to stay away from his kind. <laughs> well, that is. Yeah, they're so often disappointing. <laughs> you know what? That is a good books callback to, for Yen to just be like, trust it, fuck away from my Witcher. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a good books callback, call and it's just general. Like, <laughs> Yen's envy in this situation is hilarious. Like. Because, <laughs> uh... like, because, like, in the TV series, nothing happened between Triss and, the, and Geralt, so... Yeah. <laughs> uh... That we know of. That we know of. Um, no, but, like, like... It could always I mean, like, to... it does seem to be inclined that, implied that at least up until now, nothing has happened. Because mm. Geralt, Geralt yeah. seems to have, like, left Temeria pretty much, like, the moment he woke up after his delirium and, like, could mm-hmm. walk. Yes, well, let's hope it stays that way. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, um, yeah, now uh, it's the end's turn to be fatalistic again, and they start saying, you know, are you ready to die? It's like, I've lived two or three lifetimes already, and, and um, to... like, you haven't been satisfied in any of them. Yeah. Which, I mean, well... It's funny how, like, Tisea seems very lively in this scene. She's, like, quite, like, lively and supportive, and, like, She's oh, half cut. Yeah, she's half cut, and she's... Definitely saying stuff like, you know, oh, all the more reason to, to drink and, you know, have fun tonight. Also, and... also, it's like medieval ale, right? So it's got, like, an alcohol yeah. content of, like, 15%. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is, again, this is again where, um, in response to Tisea's questions, Yen 
is sort of leaning back on this idea that the only legacy is having a child. It doesn't have one. You know, I've tried. I've got no legacy to leave behind. Uh, no family it's time to accept that life has no more to give and to say it gets like really like emotional real talk here and it's just like oh yeah Jennifer you still have so much left to give yeah yeah to say it's been getting emotionally really real in the last few episodes after being like ice queen (laughs) it's like worth noting that like you know even the fact that Desea who is obsessed about propriety in everything and the proper way of doing things and like you know sticking to a rigid order is drinking yeah <laughs> on the eve of a battle yeah. like i mean i think i think it is because it is the eve of a battle because it is actually like, the story, yeah. like well she's not a soldier yeah a like I mean, <laughs> it's like a genuine <laughs> bit of like of like of like we might die tomorrow like i need to let loose just once and probably never yeah. again i mean realistically she's a headmistress of a girl's school who's been sent into yeah. battle well, she actually has like, basically set yeah. herself into battle because remember that everyone's doing this despite. Yeah, so it was her. The, idea. Yeah, it was pretty much her like, idea, but yeah. Brotherhood of sorcerers. Sorcerers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... Yeah. So then we're with. Um, we move away from the merriment to the military briefing. We've got Kahir and a nondescript Nilfgaardian officer. Something I'll say, field and, marshal. Uh... It's by the way also kind of stupid because like if he is a field marshal, that means that he is quite literally like the commander of like not even an army but like an army group. But like in this scene, he's just deferential to whatever stupid web Kahir has. Like for instance, rush my soldiers across the Aruga. Like <laughs> yeah, because he's like because he's trying to make like a pretty valid point, Wait which is like of the you know there's sorcerers. <laughs> There's sorcerers over there. We should wait for the rest of the army. There's like a northern army over here. There's maybe different things we could yeah, be doing. It's literally, it's literally and... just like we only have the vanguard of like the army group. Like you know, literally wait like mm-hmm. a day so our soldiers can arrive. And and Kahir is just like mm-hmm. nah. We've got to get Sula. She won't mm-hmm. get away. March the army. Well, to... I mean, it's not just Kahir because he hesitates. It's Frangilla who like takes Kahir aside and is like, "We must get Cirilla. She could be on the other side of the Aruga by now." Um, and this it's is like our time to honor it's the white. Yeah, way. it's 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 not yeah. that the, like the stupid idea is Kahir is alone. It's more just like what, what like I'm amazed by is that like a clearly very important person in the Nilfgaardian military hierarchy is just like bowing to this like. <laughs> kind of stupid idea that these two guys these two zealots have <laughs> like two, these two zealots have yeah. and like uh, and i think like it's like symbolic within the universe of the tv series specifically because like again both kahir and fringil are very different people in the books within the universe of the tv series specifically like you can see the authority that has been bestowed for on them by the fact of like they're clearly operating from orders from the emperor mm-hmm. himself direct orders, personal orders, like, as opposed to, like, you know, just go north and conquer mm-hmm. things. But the thing is, though, it's kind of like um, Eisenhower taking orders from Oppenheimer, isn't it? Really? Yeah, like, a little bit, yeah. Um, which is, yeah, it's a bit strange. It kind of, like, you know, makes sense if you consider that, like, it is like Eisenhower taking orders from Oppenheimer, but it also is a little bit, like, General General Patton taking orders from... Uh, no, not really taking orders so much as taking advice from... The head of the yeah, CIA. It's a bit. It is a bit weird. Yeah, we get we get the insight of the fanaticism of them again, and she's talking about you know we've got we've got magic too, with no rules or restrictions, and yeah, then we can see that in the next scene where they demonstrate no rules and restrictions. <laughs> yeah, so we do get a, a, an interstitial yeah. here with Siri again. Yeah, she sees the um, the shooting yes. star. And the boy trying to pester her, her, the mother appears and says, "You know, can't you see she's been through hell? 
So we know Ciri's right near the battlefield. Yeah. And right near Yen. Yeah. yeah. Relatively nearby, at least, yeah. Yeah, and we know that Nilfgaard's turned up and we just see the shooting star, which generally is a bad omen in fantasy. Yeah. Um, and we assume it's shooting star mm-hmm. until, you know, we see the fireball about to land on top yeah. of them. And Yen has to catch it and bounce it away like a goalkeeper. Yeah, Yen is very powerful. Um, yeah. And that's... Okay, so this scene of showing us how these sort of shooting star bombs are made, which is like the mages basically, I guess, pushing their like entire like life force into creating them. I think this is actually really interesting um, if we think back to episode two, where Fringilla is the one who accidentally consumes her own hand while trying to figure out how to do the levitating the rock task. Oh, yeah. That is a good callback. Yeah, because you can see them start to wither as they're doing the magic, just like she sort of starts yeah, to Yeah, so I just think it's really interesting that they set that up right in episode two, that Frangilla's the one who, who sees the potential of, by accident, but then carries on, sees the potential of consuming, like, your own body to produce sort of magical effects. Yeah, I mean, admittedly, like, to be fair, like, in that original instance, it's like, she sees it less as potential and more just like, well, this is a failure. Of, well, it was like, an accident like... then, but it, I think it's interesting that it sort of unlocks this idea. It's it's an interesting setup that, like, she includes, but, like, wait, maybe, I mean, like, you know, obviously using my body for that is unfortunate, but if we use somebody else's... <laughs> yes. Yeah, use this. <laughs> oh, gosh, the fear in the eyes of the second, the second mage who produces that yeah. second fireball before she's consumed is... Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually, the, the fucking sorcerer, the northern sorcerers deal with those fireballs not too badly because they just fucking deflect them. It's... It seems like a bit of a waste of effort. It's a waste of literally two lives for two mages, no nothing less. Whatsoever. <laughs> like well, they're religious fanatics, though. So I know, I know, but like from a military standpoint, it's just a waste. Yeah, you know? a waste of an important and limited yeah. resource. And so yeah. Fringilla then hands a box of something that we're not sure what is yet um, to another mage, and then orders him to go down to, um, the, the keep and draw out the, the northern mages. Yes. It's a little spooky mm-hmm. casket. And so now suddenly we're back, back at the fort, and, um, we find that basically everyone has actually run away. <laughs> mage <laughs> desertions. Yeah. Like, actually, I think, I think um, it does, like, I think they did, like, imply that, like, most of the villagers actually stayed behind, but it's just, like, some of the mages who... Well, deserted. yeah, because they specifically say there's only 22 of us now, and that doesn't refer to the villagers. There's loads of them, so that must be the mages. And there were uh, 60, so... so... Like, literal children are fighting, but, like, you know, powerful wizards who have seen, you know, like, probably quite wild extremes of magic are just going, like, yeah, nah, sorry, we're washing our hands of this. Yeah, dickhead of Oxenfurt's gone back to his hometown. Well, I think some of the, the logic of that is actually a little bit in the books, because when Geralt goes to go up to um, the memorial for the mages who die here in the books, there's a there's a sort of um, civilian kind of peasant guy who tells him, oh, you know, we, we really honour the, the deaths of the mages more than anyone because they could have lived forever. So death is more to them than it is to us. Yeah. So like, yeah. I can see that, like, the people who've lost everything and are probably going to die anyway staying, but then, like, the mages being like, mm, I could live forever in wealth and comfort. I am out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, also just, like, mages are our souls, as we've yeah. established. <laughs> yes. 
Um, so we, we get this clip of the, the spooky sorcerer running through the forest, spreading a big old mist, um, and Yen looking pensive and get, being given orders, you know, keep watch on the tower, reserve your yes. Um, which becomes another yeah. motif. So Sabrina is sent to protect the villagers and sort of fight with them. Triss is with Tissaia and Tissaia orders Yennefer to, yeah, reserve her chaos, which Yennefer does not look remotely pleased by. Imagine telling Yennefer to just reserve mm. herself in anything. Like, like, yeah, Yennefer, just go up to the top of the tower and chill. Doesn't really sound like... <laughs> like a convincing kind of line to follow. Yeah. That is a yeah. cool shot, though, of the mist going there's, through the There's forest. a lot oh, of a really cool, cool shots shot. in this battle. So then we get, um, we're back with our, our, our beloved Ring. boy on the back of the <laughs> oh, cart. No. So he's as per usual, Geralt yeah. must tougher. And uh, uh, we know they're yeah. close to the battle too because they're going through this fog. Yeah. Yes, and um, Geralt's imagining he's at a table that's full of food with some women who we can't see. So it see. starts as he's hallucinating this very cute little boy who wants to be a knight, calling for his mom, telling her that he's going to get her, or he's going to one day make her a necklace of dragon tea. And she tells him, we don't kill dragons, we must live and let live, it's our code. And then there's, yeah, there's a table full of fancy food, and then like a little mini borch tells him it's magic, Once it's again, not real. establishes that Geralt is a dragon kid and I love it. Like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we see he gets it from his mom, apparently. Geralt <laughs> <laughs> Dovahkiin. Uh, really the opposite uh, of a Dovahkiin, because the Dovahkiin was not actually a fan of dragons, yeah, generally speaking. I yeah. mean, he can't speak to dragons, can Geralt, so, you know. Um, yeah, and then suddenly, after this quite touching scene with the wee lad and the bucket on his yeah. head, that bucket comes back. Word actually. of the day. Um, <laughs> yeah. We're back at the, the castle with Yen in the tower and we can sort of start to see the armies coming through the mist with their, their pointy jaggy swords and, you know, sort of just to say a leads Triss down to the ground to cast a spiky spell and these mushrooms sprout, push out poison and suffocate all these soldiers and Coral comes out and twists a bunch of soldiers' necks with magic yeah. and, and they start hoying mortars at all the soldiers and stuff. It's all yeah, it's kind of wild to think how many people, like, soft plant mom Triss just like stuffed out there <laughs> yeah I... <laughs> like oh. it's big AOE yeah. damage yeah like this is the one place where like where like soft plant mom tv series Triss comes close to probably actual sociopath book book series Triss yeah. in the sense that she murders a lot of people <laughs> yeah and I guess what's a and it's not a good day. No, it's, it's horrible. You watch the day. foam come out of their mouths and everything. It's bad. Um, and I guess what Sabrina's up to is magically enhancing the archery so that they can hit this white phosphorus. Yeah, yeah white phosphorus. Yeah, yeah. war crimes. <laughs> more war crimes. They're, 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 they're performing war crimes. Like, live on the live. It is definitely white phosphorus, right? Oh, no. Like, yeah. 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 Like... There were some violations of the Geneva Conventions going on there already. And can I just <laughs> emphasize that, like, what we see in this episode is not even the whole Battle of Sodden. It's literally just the vanguards of the two armies clashing. Yep. The actual yeah. Nilf main Nilfgaardian force and the Northern forces will crash off screen. So if the if the wizards, yeah. like, on both sides already committed, like, shitloads of war crimes that we see now... What happens when, you know, like, yeah. the royal militaries arrive? <laughs> yeah. 
We should probably actually mention here while we're talking about what we're seeing in the Battle of Sodden is that this is like show invention in the sense that in the books we get it as like a memory that some people were there or Geralt hears it happened weeks later or like it it doesn't, it's not on screen in the books. It never features on screen. So this is all sort of for the show, which is good though, because it's such a pivotal event that the books just don't do. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to have the show show. I think that's kind of interesting that the book does make those choices. Like, we don't hear, in in the books, we don't hear about, um, you know, what the origin of Falca is for a long Mm -hmm. time. Until literally the last book, I think. Part of it is that, like, actually, like, both in the case of, like, Falca and in the case of the Battle of Sodden Hill is that, like, they kind of happen, like, they are part of, like, characters' backstories, in a sense, more than anything else. Or, or, like, in the case of Falca, like, just, like, straight-up historical Mm -hmm. knowledge. Yeah, uh, the Battle of Sodden Hill actually mostly just doesn't happen because it's in the timeline of the short stories, and there isn't like mm-hmm. Geralt wasn't in the Battle of Sodden Hill, so there isn't a short story about it. Like his only like direct yeah. relation is that he comes to the monument built after it and yeah. um, looks on the names like in fear of finding Yennefer there. So I guess the next thing after Sabrina helping with the White Phosphorus that Yen sees is. Vilgefort's deciding to do single combat with Kahir for some reason. Yeah, uh, we also, we also though just before that we do see Coral. So if you've read oh. Season Storms, one of the things Coral likes to do is twist. That's bones true. Oh, that's such people. a good. Yeah. Ah, shit, I didn't notice that. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even think about that. That is totally a thing she does. Yeah. 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 That's such well a done. subtle call. Honestly, love this series. <laughs> yeah, I love how much yeah. everyone who's involved in it has read the books and cares. Yeah, yeah. No, one hundred percent. And she does look like I imagined Coral Luke. I had thoughts on, like, fucking mm-hmm. Kahir and, and Vilgefortz's duel. Like, first is that Vilgefortz's mm-hmm. style yeah. of magic is actually just really cool. Like, summoning his sword back yeah. into his <laughs> yeah. fucking scabbard, using, using like, yeah. using just, like, fucking magic. And, like, then just using, you know, basically yeah. normal sword yeah. fighting, just, like, enhanced with, like, with, like visibly enhanced mm-hmm. strength, because he does send a sword right through a tree <laughs> like yeah um, and you can do some like flippy yeah. stuff that is a bit sort of hong kong film wire work um which it's is, really it's very cool. cool it's a really cool fight scene <laughs> brings me to the next mm-hmm. thing they really they've really increased kahir's like not just like they've not just changed kahir's personality and role relative to the books but they've really increased his relative level of power because, well, well he really, he really, he re- they really here. have because, like, consider Vilgefortz beats the shit out of Redacted in the. Okay, books. but I don't think Vilgefortz lost mm, here. He kind of. It depends whether it was. Yeah, I think or he not, was there to try to question Kahir. Yeah, not to but try like, to also, I there is no reason for Vilgefortz to allow Kahir to win. No, like, except for to have an excuse to get away from that. Yeah, but I. No, I, I, I can't, I can't yeah. see this being a situation where where Vilgefortz voluntarily loses, especially because Vilgefortz literally goes unconscious. It's not, a, it's not a nice experience. That's like, true. Kahir beats That's Vilgefortz true. here. This is the thing. And... <laughs> I think I was just trying to make it coherent. <laughs> coherent. Coherent. <laughs> Start of this. 
what? Right. Okay. <laughs> no, but like, seriously though, in the books, Vilgefortz beats the shit out of nearly everyone who like makes the very stupid decision of facing him in single in single like hand to hand combat. Because like because like yeah, the the books as well, like his strength yeah. and speed are heightened by magic, and he just takes advantage of that in such a way that like nobody knows how to counter. Yeah, the books basically make the point that he is physically unbeatable without significant yeah. preparation like, and group work. And Kahir here just like, yeah, nah, I'm a totally normal human, but I'm just a better sword swordsman than you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I struggle to explain it in any way other than that they just made Kahir much more powerful than he was in the books. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Well, he's about like yeah. five or six years older than he was in the books, mm -hmm. at least. And he seems to be in a more important position than he was I in mean, the books as well. I mean, orders about to field marshals. Yeah, whereas the books, he was like a kid with a kidnapping mission, basically. Yeah, so you know, it's, that, that's just interesting. Um, yeah, so we, we move away from this pretty cool combat scene to um, Frangilla shattering the gate, and just a really cool battle scene, you know, she opens up a teleport, fires, gets some fire arrows through, sort of kill them from the end, yeah. basically a scatter mm -hmm. bomb, <laughs> effectively. One of the sorceresses catches it in yeah. the chest. And we see the the mist guy breaking yeah, through. Yeah, and I mean, my God, yeah. like this was the scene where, like, a, like we've seen like the fog and the 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 kind of bombs and the white phosphorus. This was the scene where I was like, oh my God, like mages are terrifying in battle because you can't form a strategy if you can't even think about like how many dimensions you're fighting in and walls mm. existing and ground existing. Like that is some real out of the box yeah. Yeah. stuff. The weapons of mass destruction, basically, mm -hmm. and that's how they're used in the games as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then we see Mystery Mage guy coming in and dropping his little casket, and then he disintegrates too. But we don't know what's in it yet. <laughs> um, this, we cut to um, yeah, he turns into a big melty pile yeah. of ash, and um, to say who, whose name I've spelt differently <laughs> in these notes. Well. <laughs> Still haven't figured it out. Uh, they have a little discussion, and Frangilla just chuck some dimeritium in her face yeah. and we, we see the casket opening and all the wormy boys climbing We learned out. something interesting here, which is well, one, I think it's quite sweet that Taseya is there trying to sort of, she really does see these girls as like her wayward daughters that she's always trying to go rescue. She says basically the same stuff to Frangilla that she said to Yennefer and Rind, I can fix this for you you can come yeah. back, it'll be okay and then Frangilla is just kind of like yeah, no, do you know who sunk the entire Skelligan fleet and made it possible for Nilfgaard to take Sintra? That was me. And then, yeah, she chucks the Dittorium at Taseya and says, I don't need your help anymore, Rectress. And just, oh, it's crushing for Taseya, I think, to just... Huh. She's failed, yeah, and basically. her girls are turning on her. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I love Taseya, so, so very sad about this. <laughs> F in the uh, chat yeah. for Taseya. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're back with um, Geralt and Yurga, and Geralt doing some witchery stuff, you know, demanding his bag with his elixir and pouring on his wound like the holy water from um, the Last Crusade and taking a big drink of it to heal himself, and he demanding to go to the Blue Mountains and saying in a very weak and sad voice, I need and to go home. And of course home means Kermoran and Vesemir, I guess, so... I think it's actually really yeah. sweet because like Geralt like for the like we see Geralt for the first time desperately longing for like like a parental figure which his life was yeah missing. seeing him just like actually openly longing for like home and family and can I just say like uh, Yurga's name in every incarnation of the Witcher like makes me laugh because that's that's my mom's name uh, 
But incidentally, we're recording this on Lithuanian Mother's Day, so mom, if you're listening to this, happy Mother's oh. Day again. Uh, <laughs> just speaking of, of longing to see your parents. <laughs> yes, we are still in quarantine and none of us know when we can see our parents again. <laughs> yeah. So as soon as he says this, I need to go home, he starts hallucinating another time that he was in a cart. And he's asking his mom about the spheres and um, being sort of, you know, that cute but annoying inquisitive kid that, you know, I guess he must be like five or something here, often are, just asking questions and saying, you know, oh, we're traveling, this is great, let's go to Lyria and Rivia and the end of the world and we'll never stop. And I guess that's our hint that he's not actually from Rivia. And we see that she's a sorceress because mm. she magics him up an apple. But then she sends yeah. him away to go get some water and while well, he's well, he's gone getting water. She takes off in her cart. He comes back and he's calling for his mom. Visena. Yeah. Oh, poor baby Hembo. <laughs> and then his, uh, then, uh, <laughs> yeah, we kind of see a shadow and a voice that I guess we're supposed to know is Vesemir. Vesemir. Yeah, which they've, uh, they've cast yeah. Vesemir for season two. It's Kim Bodnia who played um, Villanelle's handler in Killing Eve. So that's sort of interesting because yeah. he's done the sort of role of weird parental figure to strange murder people so <laughs> he does look like him game vesemir at least although game vesemir does have a more yeah, bulbous nose he does nose look quite a bit like reason. game vesemir He's... oh game vesemir okay yeah, yeah i'm only spoil. like part way into like the uh, first game so yeah uh so we, we cut back to cut back to the battle as coral um meets uh, an end you... i'm not sure she deserved better oh, she's she was not a nice no. not a nice witch well, Geralt had some fun with her, but like, I mean, there there are worse sorceresses. Yeah, but she like, yeah, I don't love how he. She I think she's true neutral. But... She was fucking horrible to her apprentice. Like, mind you, yeah, I yeah, she did. That. Yeah. Nah, never mind. See, I I what I read Season of Storms a while ago, so I had forgotten that 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 storyline. Never mind, she was pretty bad. Yeah, she like twisted her hand the wrong way around just to punish her. No, no, I mean like Coral, sorry, but fuck you. This is the best <laughs> hope for to die protecting <laughs> others. That's the one thing I'll yeah, say for you. She, they did a pretty viscerally upsetting job of killing her exactly the way yeah. she was in the books. So, because Jennifer has a flashback to to seeing Coral's her words mm. dismembered body. Yeah. So, yeah. Weirdly, really high amounts of detail on Coral, a character that in the TV series has. No lines in this in this episode. Again, everyone's read the books and cares. You know, like so. Gen asks Triss to try to to reinforce the gate, and she does more of her plant magic, and sort of does this cool thing where she grows like a big wall of like brambles. And the brambles like grab Nilfgaardians and like just like stab them. Yeah, it's it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. Like in the true sense of the word. Yeah, it's actually gnarly. (laughs) I. I do really like them turning Triss into some sort of like plant earth mage though. It's kind of cool just this kind of trying to assign people like schools of magic. Yeah, yeah. It's like lovely. Jen does portals and Triss does plants and yeah. Um uh, so we see that what the we see what the worms have done. <laughs> they possess Sabrina. Yes, the the pole faced children in Sabrina. And mm-hmm. they pick up the white phosphorus. They do some war crimes on themselves. They destroy yeah. the, war, the the white phosphorus. Yeah. Stockpile. So we see this kind of 
all at the same time. We see that we see all those sort of bad things happening at the same time. We see Triss getting horribly burned while trying to hold the gate. Basically at the same time that we see Sabrina climb the tower and just shiv Yennefer. And then the keep getting blown up by the white phosphorus sort of stockpile getting destroyed. And Yen and Sabrina getting like launched off the tower. So like just all this horrible stuff happens in the space of a few seconds. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. it's a good battle scene and it's unsettling mm-hmm. and uncomfortable which is how good battle scenes kind of should be of that nature yeah mm-hmm. and, uh, I think we do a really good job of highlighting just like the scale of the civilian death at the same time as like picking out characters that the earlier part of the episode has made us care about mm. like when Yennefer somehow survives this fall from the tower and starts sort of like shuffling towards the gate you know she can see you know a dead boy clutching the feathers that she made she can see that the 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 pig farmer woman is dead and then there's just like this horrible crushing aloneness as no one's responding to any of her sort of psychic yeah, she's, she's questions out, like urging for everyone to rally together and nobody's responding yeah is anyone still alive there's some interesting like interesting yeah. chronological things going on here because like um not to jump too far not to, not to jump ahead but like in the next couple of scenes we will see that like the time of day changes really rapidly because like while Yen- when Yennefer mm-hmm. like goes out like calling out for people to like like rally back at the fortress and continue fighting um it's still clearly the afternoon and then like it falls like um, mm-hmm. And I know it's because like the, mm-hmm. the this like initial stage of the battle that we see in this episode has to take place over two days until the Tiberian army arrives. Um, mm-hmm. Like, but I think that is also like reflective of like the scale of destruction that's going on because that also means that the Northgardians can't be like advancing mm-hmm. that fast. They too have been wrecked like mm-hmm. hard. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I have a question about magic here. When Yen is walking out of the keep, or staggering out of the keep, more like, um, and she's sort of clutching the stab wound, it looks like she's, like, fully just, like, pulling life force out of the soldiers, the way she's, like, moving her hand and sort it, of, like, clutching it her does wound. It like a like like, like a force magic. Um. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're just crumpling as she's, like, twisting her hand and pulling towards herself, so it's just like, what are you doing here, Yen? <laughs> I think I describe her as going beast mode in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a bit it's a bit like morally dodgy whatever's going mm-hmm. on there. But there's another thing that's interesting that people sort of um on sort of in the fandom have pointed out is that as she's wounded and walking away and that shoots her from behind, you can see that she's adopting her former posture. She's like her shoulder is slumping to the same side and like Yeah. 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 That that's a thing, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. thought it looked familiar. Like it like she looked imitates her appearance in the beginning yeah after the, the trauma of the battle scene and all of this we uh, mm-hmm. cut back to Vilgefortz, which is a, this is a very ominous scene because he you know yeah. he, he comes to he mur- yeah. apparently to draw strength from him not only that but he um, he does so with a staff um with a steel ball on the end yeah, it's a mace yeah which is um yeah blunt weapons yeah yeah this is yeah blunt weapons are yeah, 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 yeah. In the books, he's far more interested in really hurting people than killing them quickly. Yeah, he's a, he's a sadist. Um, complete yeah. sadist. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad that Vilgefortz has been revealed here so that we can actually say how bad and gross he is. I finally talk about <laughs> Vilgefortz. Not in, <laughs> yeah. terms, not in concrete terms, but to be clear, 
Fuck him. He is. <laughs> yeah, fuck Milgafords. He's creepy. And I'm really, really glad that this has happened now so I can be like, oh god, everyone's been thirsting over him and it's terrible. <laughs> he's one of the best villains in literature, I think. He's oh, yeah, so he's, good, does he? Yeah, I am really... And like the actor playing him is so great that I'm just really looking forward to everything they do with him at the same time as I am absolutely dreading it because it's terrible. Yeah. It's just, yeah. this scene, like, the first you sort of see is ruthlessness and callousness and everything coming out, and it's just really good. Um, and, yeah. and the way he kind of tosses his hair aside as he's walking away. Oh, yeah. Of, he's yeah, yeah. brilliant. Really good yeah. physical act. Yeah, <sighs> amazing. Yeah, because he just, he just fucking brutalizes this guy. Yeah, what's the yeah. guy saying? It's... I can't remember what the guy's saying. I think he tries oh, to he's just saying, something. like, Vilgefortz, help me. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah he's just, all he's saying is Vilgefortz, help me, because he's... Is that another major? Was it the town Castellan guy who was like, oh, these people have fled here? Yes, it was the town was guy. That, it was him. Yeah. Oh, and dear. Yeah. And the one who was all like, I still have hope. I believe that we can do this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. And like, yeah, that's a brutal death. Oh. So, uh, yeah, we, he jauntily saunters away and we get to see him yep. trying to come to, as we sort of also phase in with um, Geralt, who is once yeah. again hallucinating and completely delirious seeing yeah. so, Renfrey and yeah. Yen and then another yeah. woman. So this is yeah again just Geralt hallucinating about all the women in his life who've I guess traumatized him in some way many through no fault of their own <laughs> but um, hmm. yes it's just interesting that yeah it's Renfrey we get the call back to her um, and he says there's magic in the air and there's Yennefer so they're kind of t- it's it's the dialogue sort of all about his wound um and then the the last sort of incarnation of this woman says your wound is troublesome Geralt but you'll be all right and he says you know my name you're in my head listening and she says I'm a sorceress but you knew that already and yeah, yeah. and it's this uh red-haired woman um and then he says I'm a witcher but you knew that already too so we're getting this like oh, ominous yeah, yeah. How do you like my eyes do you know the saying what yeah. to do to a witcher yeah. to improve their eyes do you know how many survive he, he clearly like realizes what's going on recognizes her yeah yeah and then demands she look into his eyes oh gosh the dialogue here is just yeah because she's just saying you know oh um i'm i heard a merchant's cry for help i responded it's my profession it's the only thing i'm good at and when it's when she says people linked by destiny will always find each other that's when he sort of like snaps to and realizes who it is um yeah this um yeah another dialogue yeah the dialogue here is so intense. Yeah, the, as you say, the how do you like my eyes? Do you know, Vicenna, what they do to a witcher to improve his eyes? Do you know it doesn't always work? It's only three intense. I need to know Did why. You know? Yeah, tell me this. You Tell me you didn't know this before you left me on his doorstep. Uh, you trusted destiny rather than try to find me yourself. And oh gosh, it's just, whew, just excavating yeah. the trauma. Then she basically puts him to sleep by, by saying like, Oh, there's Valeria in the, po- in the potions. You're gonna yeah. Sleep. Don't ask me any more questions. The truth will only hurt both of us. It's time to move on and find what you let go of. Find her. I was just a dream. Do you notice she says "sleep, Sir Geralt"? Oh, <laughs> to get another reference. Oh, <laughs> well, also because he was pretending to be a little knight when he was Pretend a little to be a knight boy. as a boy, and also Borch called yeah. him Sir Geralt. And so it's like this over and over, and then foreshadowing for later stuff. But um, the other thing that I thought was a little bit interesting as a slight callback to the books is that when she says stop it Geralt he says you don't get to use that name Vesemir gave me that name now they never correct him in the show but in the book yeah, she says no yeah. he didn't I don't think that changed as well but like the yeah. show, they just didn't she, she just didn't yeah. get there which I think is interesting because like mm-hmm. it 
meaningful because it was an important yeah it was an important line to be like i didn't you know her saying no he didn't is her saying like i didn't just throw you away there was a reason i gave you this name like that's what you're saying when you're saying no he didn't i gave you that name you know and that she doesn't do that here is yeah that's a Um, choice and when he comes to so this is i think the show might be trying to so in the books i think it's quite literal she was literally there but I think the show's trying to perhaps give us the opportunity or option of thinking that it was all a hallucination. Yeah, that's my Because when Geralt comes to and asks Yuruga, or not Yuruga, asks Yuruga, where did, where did she go, the woman? And he's just like, oh, which woman? You called out for so many. Mm-hmm. And then, like, there's no reference to, like, there being a literal actual healer literally there healing his leg. So... Because um, I thought that for a minute in the books. I thought that it was just a hallucination because it's kind of ambiguous. But then yeah. in the books, they actually confirm yeah. that that actually happened, whereas here they kind of don't. Yeah, do. I think the show is really implying that it was a hallucination. Um, especially because of... The, the show is deliberately leaving ambiguity. Which, to be fair, because yeah. I think it's, it is constructive ambiguity because... I think it is yeah. an interesting thing to yeah. keep open-ended. Yeah, because like I think I think mm-hmm. I, I don't think it is explicitly necessarily implying that it definitely didn't happen because Geralt still wakes up not no. in the cart but by the tree. Mm. Yeah, he yeah. does wake up by the tree and healed. Like so, I don't think it's impo- exactly impossible that she was there. If nothing else, because like you know, like like there 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 wouldn't be necessarily uh, like it details like i heard the merchant's cry for help inserted into just that hallucination if definitely emphasize that that was definitely mm-hmm. just a hallucination but i think it's, i think it's not as clear cut as it is in yeah. the books that, that definitely i mean happened. it's also not clear that it was literally the senna i mean he hallucinated renfrey he hallucinated yennefer yeah mm. but to be fair i doubt that it was yet renfrey yeah <laughs> well no but I, yeah. you know what i mean though like it could have been any sorceress who happened to be around and he might have hallucinated Vicenna. It would have been really, really funny if he had actually just harassed some random sorceress um, <laughs> on Vicenna. Uh, He'd just been a total bit to like, someone who's trying to help issues on some random sorceress. Like, just yelling at some <laughs> random sorceress who happened to be in the way. Like, look at my eyes. Of course, yeah, because he is actually delirious. So from her perspective, he just might be seeing him going, <laughs> <laughs> <"Sarah>, go!" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who the fuck's Miss It's actually Coral. <laughs> Which? Oh no! Given Coral is one of the red-haired sorcerers, yeah. as he works out his mommy issues on, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> mosaic. Right. So um, after he wakes up from the hallucination, um, he insists that he has to go to Sodden. And uh, he, the the merchant, farmer, Yurga, sorry, Yurga um, offers Geralt, um, you know, you saved my life and I don't have much to give, but I could offer, what I can offer you is the law of surprise. And Geralt's immediately like, no, 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 just give me a mail. (laughs) No. (laughs) Give me a nail. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so we're um we're back at Sodden and Nilfgaard are kinda overrunning them and um everything's going to pot and then Yen and Tsea sort of find each other and yeah, say something like you know or one of them says to the other, uh, you saved me, it's your turn to save these people, this continent, this is your legacy. So, and then Yen, Yen uses fire magic. Yeah. Forget the chaos. And we get a 
gets it incited to why it's banned to yes. use fire magic. But <laughs> which is, yeah, which I mean, yeah, that makes sense because the only time we see fire magic in the books, it is wildly powerful. So yeah, and it, it's very, very powerful and very wild. So if anyone was watching this and thinking like, "Ooh, that seems a little extreme." No, that's just that's yeah. why fire magic is. Because, like, the idea is that you can tap into any one of the four, you know, classical basic elements. That is to say, earth, wind, fire, uh, water. Like, um, but water is the one you tap into usually because it's the easiest to control. And there's a lot of, like, underground sources of water pretty much everywhere you go. Um, whereas tapping into earth is really difficult and air usually doesn't hold enough raw energy to tap, yeah. in, to tap into it but fire is just unstable as fuck because yeah. this is what happens yeah yeah let your chaos explode forget the bottle yeah and yeah. and yeah um, yen commits a war crime this episode really should just while be having just some flashbacks to all the horrible things everyone's ever said to her um notably yeah. she just napalmed i will say notably none of the yeah, I will say notably, none of the shitty things that set her off are any of the things Geralt's ever said to her, and he said some terrible stuff to her, so... I mean, that's actually sort of interesting, considering... Yeah, it. so when she's having her flashbacks, it's like, every horrible thing everyone's ever said to her, except for Geralt, none of the terrible things he said to her appear in that flashback. Yeah. But basically, he, she naples the for forest. Yeah, yeah, she burns yeah. the whole forest, burns the battlefield, manages yeah, to yeah, not burn yeah. to Saya, thankfully. And then, um... Denethor turns up. <laughs> uh, Denethor brings the armies. Yeah. <laughs> Just on time. <laughs> Gondor turns yeah. up too late, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, then we're back with, back yeah. with Ciri. And, uh, yeah, she wakes up. Okay, so she wakes up and, and she's so close to the battlefield where she is at the farm that she can hear the explosions. And the, the farm lady is very optimistic that Nilfgaard has no reason to bother the farm. Um, which, you know, given Nilfgaard's tactics are scorched earth, like an intentional destruction, that's very, very optimistic lady, but okay. Um, and, oh, yeah, okay, well, I won't mention that. Also, they, like, colonize con countries yeah. they conquer, right? Like, they drive local farmers off the land and, like, colonize them. So she's got this really lovely thing that she says to Siri, which is, you know... Oh, this is this is a simple life, but if I'm gone tomorrow, I'll have had everything I wanted. My health, a roof over my head, a headstrong boy, his father to match, everything except for a daughter. I can't help but think I was meant to find you. And it's just like it's very, very sweet, but Siri's so traumatized she can't even respond to this. She just sort of stares mm. blankly at her, actually looking a little bit worried. Possibly mm. because of the terrible things that keep happening to mother figures. She's on her one, two, three. This is her fourth mother figure she's on. So, I mean, things. And not even fifth, the last. Maybe if we count the dryads. <laughs> yeah. The dryads are kind of a polycule, though, aren't they? That's sort of called yeah. a bunch of mothers. <laughs> but, like, she's like 12 years old and she's on her, like, fifth mother. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. not ideal. Things are not going great for her. Yeah. And she sort of says, sleep, it'll all be better in the morning. And, yeah. Uh, She's wonderful. Yeah, I love this optimistic farm lady so much. <laughs> yeah, they're good characters from in the books as well. Yeah. So we wake up with Tissaia in a field of ashes. She can't find Yennefer, and, and neither can Geralt, yeah, who's everyone. dreaming of being on this field. Yeah, and shouting out and calling out for her, and yeah, Ciri wakes up and sees them, 
and then just sees Calanthe telling her, fine, get out of River Yahi is your destiny. And then we're setting up for the finale. Yeah. So Geralt comes to you again in, in the cart and they've they've arrived and we find out that Yurga is the nice farm lady's husband. And so, you know, she tells him immediately uh, about, oh, you'll never believe what I found. I found a girl. And uh, she's, he's telling her to go get Geralt a, a, an ale before he goes to Sodden. I guess, importantly, Geralt never gets the ale. So I guess uh, Law of Surprise is still in force here. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's true. And Well, I hope they also got him an ale eventually because the man needs a drink. <laughs> yeah. He's been through the wars here. He could do with a drink. <laughs> And so Geralt sees a vision of Renfrey and wanders out into the forest in sort of trance. Yes. Yeah, and of course, um, I think we forgot to mention that Ciri had already, um, earlier after being told to sleep, had run out into the woods because she's had this vision from Calanthe. Yeah, she just bolts. Geralt of Rivia. Yeah, Geralt of Rivia. So she's like, oh, she knows she can't stay here with this family that wants to keep her, so she runs out into the woods. And so does Geralt after thinking the girl of the woods will be with with you always. And they... Yeah, so it's very, very... Yeah, so... Siri gets law of surprise to Geralt for a second time and she runs toward him through the fog and the trees and it's very sweet and they both look like they're in absolute like just awe of like having found each other and destiny and the hug is very nice and it's it's very very sweet. Then he just turns to Geralt and goes so who's Yennefer? Yes yeah so he says people linked by destiny will always find each other and she just looks at him just like Who's Yennefer? Because I guess they've had this shared yeah, dream about yeah. looking for Yennefer. Well, she's so. a source. So. <laughs> I mean, that yeah. was how I read it. But like, yeah. Ciri wakes up after seeing Geralt standing in the back yeah. of the calling out for Yennefer. Like, so I, so that's how I read it. That they're yeah. having a shared dream of Geralt standing in the back of crying out for Yennefer. Yeah. And to be fair, an enormous amount of the books is spent with Ciri having visions and dreams about Geralt, and like, and vice versa. Yes. So. Anyway. What I love about this ending, and this is like one of the things that just like was just so beautiful that it like made me just like very emotional about it, was that the thing that fulfills their destiny in the end wasn't like some, I mean, yes, heroics in the sense of Geralt stopping to help the 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 Gyrga when he was digging the graves, but not really grand gestures or or anything. It was the farmer lady being just like kind and wanting to help an orphaned girl the and Yurga being a decent person who wanted to give you know civilians a decent burial and didn't leave a much bigger than him person who must have been hard to wrangle onto that cart to die after being attacked like that's what fulfills her destiny to normal people just being yeah. good and decent yeah and I was just like I was just like oh it's just, it's just so nice. Yeah. <laughs> the stories do t- toe a time, a, a strange line between wholesome and utterly bleak, don't they? Given we've had an, an episode with sure war crimes, but it ends with actually quite a wholesome and sweet moment. <laughs> but I think there's something to be said. I mean, I know that the Game of Thrones comparisons get made a lot, and this is my last one because obviously we're on the last episode of um, the show for a long time. Um, is the unrelenting bleakness of Game of Thrones was that you could always just assume every character was going to act in their own self-interest or even worse, just like not even self-interested evil. And the thing with this show is when you meet a bard, sometimes he's just like 
of just a nice, weird, flirty guy. And when you meet, you know, a random person on a farm who wants to take you to their farm, they actually are just there to help save an orphan. Like, yeah. sometimes there are just good people in this world, and yeah. it's important. I mean, this is, the, this is the thing about, like, the Witcher universe in general, is that, like, the, the thing that it shares with Game of Thrones is that the universe is shit, and there are lots of people who are just out for themselves. Also, they're mm-hmm. unlike in Game of Thrones, there genuinely are people who aren't. And some of them, you know, like perhaps not indefinitely, but they do for a time actually don't necessarily suffer directly because of their good actions. And even when they do, it's like yeah. there is a feeling that the good action was still yeah. worth it. Yes, precisely. So, I mean, like that's like the essence of an existential victory, right? Like, regardless of what suffering it imposes upon you, if you can sort of accept with satisfaction that your action was correct and that it had meaning to you, then that is still an existential victory. George Martin is is, uh, Nietzsche, while Sapkowski is more commute. Yeah, (laughs) precisely. And on that note... (laughs) Well, that is is the entire season one. We did it, you guys. (laughs) On a bit positive final note. So for our listeners, um, this might be the last episode of the show, but it is not the last episode of the podcast. We are going to do an episode or two, I think, of uh, like roundup and thoughts for the next season and then uh, and then move on to the books. Uh, so we'll be starting with uh, we'll be starting yeah. with The Last Wish and going story by story. Yeah, that'll, that... no, that'll give us enough yeah, for a while. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm really looking forward to getting into the books, actually. Um, and it's going to be fun to be able to to stop being as worried about spoilers as we get through the books because we'll have gotten through more material and yeah looking forward to it that's our show thank you so much for listening we hope you'll join us again next time when we do an episode just wrapping up the whole series our music is medieval abstraction by lucas perny and miloslav kolar and you can find us on both twitter and tumblr as at the witcher cast or email us at castapod to your witcher at gmail.com see you again next time 